Hey everybody, it's Brandon again, picking up today with our last installment of this series on the great seven ecumenical councils of church history. We will be picking up with the second council of Nicaea that's going to be held in the year 7, or better yet, that was held in the year 787. And we are going to uh, give a good understanding of the issues that were taking place and some of the key differences so hey if you're listening by spotify social media please share scribe and uh, let someone know that we got apostolic pentecostal podcast going on uh please sign up to the mailchimp mailing list so we can keep you abreast of all the things that are happening with 238 media especially as it relates to projects or even suggestions that we're going to be sending out as far as ideas that may be relevant to you so hey let's get started Good day, everybody. This is Brandon with 238 Media. I just wanted to make sure I took some time to let you know about this great tool that helps me to keep my podcast moving at a really good rate of production. This tool is Anchor by Spotify, and it is probably one of the easiest ways to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. Anchor has tools that allow you to record your podcast right from your phone or computer. And when hosting on Anchor, you can distribute your podcast on listening platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and a host of other options. It's everything you need in one place to make a podcast. And best of all, it is 100% free. So, hey, let me know what you think. And as always, it's the whole gospel to the whole world by the whole church. So, as we have studied with our venture through the other church councils all through our church history, we have noticed that the church councils evolved from not only uh, discussing what we believe about God, but in essence, they have moved to a place of dealing with the more finer aspects of the Christological heresies that we saw with issues such as Apollinarianism. Nestorianism, uh, dithol- uh, well, no, dithologism is, is true, monothologism in these issues. I will venture that it will be in the Second Council of Nicaea, which is the seventh of the ecumenical councils, that there is going to be pretty much a pivot away from dealing with uh, Christological issues distinctly to a very, uh, how can we say, well-defined or um, <clears throat> focused uh, dealing with the application of worship. So it's important to understand that the Seventh uh, General Council was, of course, convoked, as all the rest of them, by an imperial leader, which in this case, it's going to be, I believe this is the first time that a ecumenical council is going to be conducted by an empress. And this empress is going to go by the name of Empress Irene. Uh, and it's going to be because she is going to be prompted to further an investigation into theology because of the patriarch uh, by the name of Tauracius of Constantinople. And the reason that this is going to be convoked is because 
there's going to be a lot of uh, speculation as it relates to how we conduct our worship of who and what God is. So in essence, with this council, what we're going to see is a very distinct address of how God is to be understand, stood rather in how God is to be worshipped. And so this controversy historically goes by the name of iconoclastic controversy. And as you can hear within the name, icon, which is image, or some would even go as far to say idol, uh, is going to be the main point of contention. As we pick up with the iconic controversy, uh, it's going to be Pope Hadrian I uh, who is going to accept the invitation of the Empress uh, and, go, and as, a, as a form of accepting the invitation will then send two delegates or two uh, legates on condition that the iconoclastic synod of Herrera, which took place in 754, is going to be condemned. And this was a, a, a synod that took place to pretty much establish what they believed. And the iconoclastic synod of uh, Herrera is going to uh, take place mainly because of the works of the Byzantine Roman Emperor Constantine, uh, who is going to take a pretty aggressive stance against the use of idols in worship. He's going to see them as a form of idolatry that cultivates a total abdication of every biblical model of scriptural worship. And so he is, in fact, probably one of the most well-known iconoclast, meaning that the person that will go forcefully about destroying images and uh, things that represent uh, biblical figures, he's basically put a heretical stamp upon anything that uh, seeks to validate the use of idols or statues within the Christian worship setting. As stated earlier, Pope Hadrian is only going to accept the image or really at the invitation of the Empress on the grounds that this has to be overturned. So this is already letting you know where his vote is going to be. The patriarchs of Alexandria, Antioch, and Jerusalem then subject to the caliphs, which is more subject, or we see the rise of the more militant uh, Islamic thought process, uh, were unable to come, as you would imagine. And because of their absence, they did send two monks to represent their respective positions. The council met on August the 17th, year 786, in the Church of the Holy Apostles at Constantinople. But it was immediately broken up by the iconoclastic soldiers and did not reassemble into the most uh, well-known date of September the 24th, 787. This time in the Church of St. Sophia of Nicaea, uh, where Tarasius presided, the council declared its adherence to the doctrine of veneration. And the doctrine of veneration is simply 
that the images uh, that will be used in worship are not idolatry. And of course, uh, this was a doctrine that was expounded on by the Pope in his letter to the Empress, adding that such veneration, as the council would argue, is a matter of respect and honor. Uh, this is why you will see the words used for worship in these instances that are going to be a little bit different, that the uh, icons that represent the Theotokos or the Mother of God or the or that will cause one to go into proskeneus, which is uh, considered the face forward veneration, which an argument can be made that this was given to humans uh, as a form of respect and uh, genuflection, which is, of course, the bending of the knee uh, as a sense of respect is not idolatry. And again, I must give the warning that from a Pentecostal standpoint, this, of course, is blasphemy. But, of course, I am trying my best to give the findings of what the historical council's conclusions were. So, the argument that the Pope would make that the type of worship that only belonged to God, which was a form of adoration, uh, most commonly articulated with the Greek word latria, is represented, or better yet, reserved for the one true God alone. The honor given to the images that are a passing of the prototype of the one true God, it's only a form of reverence. This conclusion or articulation by the Pope uh, created a decree that promulgated the doctrine of worshiping idols. And the doctrine was signed by all of those who were present at the council, including the empress herself and her son, Constantine, and the iconoclasts uh, who were so energetically and so vehemently against the idea of worshiping idols were anathematized. And with all councils, what we do notice is that there were also additional canons that were drawn up and constituted to reflect the council's uh, decision as it related to these matters at hand. The council agreed to declare null also, uh, and this is probably what could be considered a secondary issue of the council, but any election by secular authority of bishops, priests, and deacons, uh, they condemned simony, Forbid, forbid priests to leave their diocese without permission of the bishop, enjoying simplicity of life on all clerics. You can't be a priest and out here flossing and just living foot loose and fancy free. And forbid the stay of women in bishops' houses and monasteries uh, of men as well as the erection of double monasteries. So we definitely see this council departed from the more Christological and theologically focused councils of the past. But it is in this time that we see that the church has reached a place of being formalized and institutionalized to continue to take on the developed image that we will see more fully uh, represented in the expression of Roman Catholicism and not also to forget 
uh, Eastern Orthodoxy and some of the other patriarchal uh, groups who would claim apostolic authenticity. So, hey, I'm so glad that you've come by today. Please let someone know that we got an apostolic Pentecostal podcast going on. And as always, it is the whole gospel to the whole world by the whole church. The Lord bless you in Jesus' name.